Yarn. Yarn twenty five. The Stalker. I had no contact with this man. All I ever said was hello to him. It's it's stalking, and it starts off very, very, very small, and it builds up and builds up and builds up, and it's to it plays plays with your mind, plays with your mind. This is my mother, Eileen Byrne. I, I was gone to the stage now that I thought someone is coming to get me. She's going to recount her ordeal with the stalker. I was just a kid at the time. I knew very little about it until recently when she started talking about the incident. And like when this Ashling was killed. It was a big Irish news story that triggered her memory. The Irish president, Michael Higgins, has led tributes to the teacher Ashling Murphy, who was killed earlier this week. Vigils have been taking place across Ireland to remember the 23-year-old who was found dead on Wednesday after she went out for an afternoon run along a canal in Tullamore. Campaigners said it should become a watershed moment to end violence against women. The murder of Ashling Murphy in broad daylight by a man sparked a national conversation, not just about violence against women, but also about the level of harassment and intimidation women are forced to endure. Una Ring and Eve McDowell are both victims of stalking, having endured ordeals at the hands of a former work colleague and college acquaintance. Ashling's murder added fuel to a prominent campaign to make stalking a criminal offence in Ireland. But stalking is not a standalone crime in Ireland, something they're campaigning to change. First reason is mainly for the victims, that they can um, be more confident in reporting it, because at the moment it's not a crime, so it's hard to report something that isn't a crime. Um, I suppose secondly is for the, the guards, it'll give them more power of enforcement. The men who stalked Una and Eve were convicted under harassment laws. A proposed new bill is progressing through the Shannad, defining stalking as repeated unwanted behaviour that occurs as a result of fixation or obsession and causes alarm, distress or harm to the victim. And I, was, I actually wasn't thinking about that, about him. And then I thought, yeah, it kind of came back to me then, but it happened to myself. It was the late 90s. My parents had recently separated, so my mother, my sister and I moved into a house in a quiet neighbourhood in Kilkenny City. I was about 10 and my sister was about 12. I suppose we weren't all that long there when this started. Our new home was part of a line of a dozen or so two-storey terraced houses. Each house had a long, thin garden at the rear that stretched down to an end wall. A common access road ran in a perpendicular direction behind all the gardens. I used to lock the shed when I'd go away at the weekend. We had a small shed right outside the back door of our house. There was nothing in it, only a washing machine and a dryer. But Eileen started to notice something strange about this shed. Little did she know, this was the start of a two-year ordeal. But every time we go away, when we come back, the screws had been taken off the lock and the shed left open. No, there was never anything taken. But did you just use the screw back together? Let's just put it back on there when I'd come back. Then after a while, I noticed the, the lock, it was like a padlock. The padlock was being lifted 
off the lock and left on a chair that was in the backyard. It's just puzzling, more puzzling than anyone, than anything. And as I say, why would someone take a lock off a shed, not take anything? What was the logic behind this? I was asked, I was telling people what was happening and I was saying, why do you think that this was happening? But nobody had an answer. Around the same time, other incidents started to occur. First came reports of trespassers in her backyard. There used to be people up in the back garden, according to the man next door. I never saw the people, but he'd say to me ever so often, did you see a man up in your back garden last night? And I'd say, no. Then my mother's car was tampered with. I had an old car, and one night the back window of the car was broke. At first she wrote this off as unrelated. No, that could have been youngsters threw stones from the, the railway track or something, but... Then I got a new car, and the car was all scratched. But no one else's car on the street was ever interfered with. It was really starting to play on my mind. I remember there was a female taxi driver killed in Galway. And I thought, oh, I'll probably be next. It was gone to the stage now that I thought someone is coming to get me. It was starting to break me down. If someone had told me the story, I just said, oh, sure, what are they on about, sure? It's petty, it's, but it wasn't petty. It's, it's, it's playing with your mind. Yeah. Even though it was very small things. So then, this thing about the, the lock being taken off the ship, this could used to happen every night then. The lock used to be lifted off the, sh the, sh the padlock and put on a chair. And I'd go out every morning to see if the padlock was taken off. And then I went out one morning and it was still on the lock. And I looked out, say, ten minutes later, and the lock was on the chair. How someone was able to do that in that short space of time and I saw nobody. I went, I really nearly cracked up then and I went to I went to the guards just to tell them that the lock was being taken off the shed and dropped on a chair. And this was happening more on a more regular basis. The girl said to me, oh, is that fella that is up to his tricks again? They thought they knew who it was, and then he said, have you a few good, strong brothers? So the guard's first suggestion was not an investigation, but vigilante justice. And I said, I don't have any relations living in Kilkenny. I don't know that I even ask them who they thought it was, or I didn't suggest who it was but they were suggesting something. Yeah. Like as if they do something. But still they weren't doing anything. They expected me to to get some 
fellas to beat up this lad and sort him out. And then I'd be watching people passing by, thinking, is it him? Is it him? Who's doing this? And I kind of suspected, at one stage I caused the fellow next door, because of his, what he's saying about people being up in the back garden and all this. He rang the neighbour at the other side to say that there was somebody up in my back garden. This man used to be in the back garden quite often. Okay. There was an element to this I do remember. One day Eileen got a bucket of grease and started coating the top of the back wall with it. I protested because I needed to climb over the wall whenever I kicked my football out there. I remember you slathering the top of the wall and With stuff. grease and stuff too, to see that someone grows over it. But eventually, this man was arrested in the back air, in my back garden. I heard about it from a neighbour. One evening while we were away, a local man from the neighbourhood was found in our backyard and was arrested by the Gardaí. Now this man was a bit, a bit uh, mentally challenged, I'd say. Eileen wasn't convinced that this was the same person responsible for all the other incidents. She wasn't even convinced he knew what he was doing in her backyard. It was, it was like, it was like he was, that he was set up. That man, that was he getting him to come into the backyard? Because he was a bit, he was actually in the backyard, so. So there was a guy there. There was a guy there. At least once, anyway. Yeah. I wondered, was he using this man to come into the backyard, to blame him? Did her prime suspect, the next door neighbour, coerce this man into going into the backyard? Did he then call the guards on him in order to take attention away from himself? We'll never know for sure. But the incidents didn't stop after that man was arrested. In fact, things started to get a lot more alarming. I was at work one day and when I came home, the keys of the back door had been... took one of the keys of the back door and left the other one on the worktop. But someone had come, climbed up the back window, climbed up the back of the house, in the window, came down, went through my house, taking the key of the back door. It was like, now, I can go into your house at any time. So then I rang the guards, told the guard someone had come into my house and they said they'd come out and take fingerprints but they never came to take fingerprints. Then I had to get the locks changed because I didn't know someone has a key in my house now. I had a slight suspicion that it was the neighbour next door but then after that I thought no it can't be him. Why can't, why can't be him? Because what neighbour would chance climbing up the back of your house and coming into your house? So I thought, no, it's definitely not him now. And he has a family. And yeah, perfect family man. I didn't believe it was him. I, that ruled him out then. Because mm. I thought, 
he couldn't be that cheeky. In the middle of the day, if anybody saw him. So then I was talking to my sister and she said, it's your man next door. And I said, no, it can't be him now because he wouldn't do that. He couldn't do that. And she said, I'm telling you it's him. I'm telling you it's him. And I said, eventually I said, okay, I'll watch him and I'll rule him out. So Eileen decided to pay closer attention to her neighbour's movements, for a few days at least, to ease her anxiety and rule him out as a suspect, as she said. Her daily surveillance started each morning. In the morning, I'd look out the back window and I'd check the front window, but I'd just look out under the blind and the curtain. I noticed. He was getting up every morning. He was going up his back garden. He was bringing down a bucket of coal. As he came back down the back garden, he checked the windows, my windows. And then he went out the front and he went up to the shop. He was buying something in the shop. And as he came back from the shop, he checked the front windows and he went into the house. And he did the same thing every morning. It was all controlling. So he was he was controlling me. And it's to it plays plays with your mind, plays with your mind. But if someone had said to me before that, should they didn't do you any harm. But he did a lot of harm. And I could understand other people now. How it would break you down. And then how much did you tell us then as kids? Very little. Because uh, I just wanted to keep everything as normal as possible. So us kids had no idea what was going on. We didn't know why our mother was obsessed with closing the curtains. Or why she stopped my sister from cycling to school. Actually it was easier when I knew it was him. Even though he was still continuing. The not knowing who it was, was the worst part. Well, I I was always waiting for the time to come that I'd catch him. And then it was over. But when I caught him, it wasn't over. It was one very frosty morning. I looked out the front window and he was outside. As I thought, scraping my car but he was writing on the frost. And I said, what are you doing to my car? And he said, oh, what's wrong with you? He said, I'm just scraping the frost off your car. He was shocked because he went back into the house. So when I went out to check the car and saw what he wrote, and he left a message on the frost for me. (laughs) Yeah, what was his message for you? My message said, suck my dick. I thought, oh my God. And then I rang the guards. I knew it was him then. Now, I could have strung him along and caught him right-handed, but I I just wanted it to be over. So he took off in the car up the road and the guards came 
and checked out the car. So then they sent a detective and the detective spent hours taking a statement. Then they went and spoke to him and he denied it point blank. And they sent it to the DPP. And the DPP said it was my word against his and it was just thrown out. Now the detective was lovely and tried his best but couldn't get anywhere. Anyway, I thought that's it, it's over now. But it wasn't over. I was in the kitchen one day and he used to have kind of a box outside in his backyard and he used to stand up in that and he was able to see right in my window. And there he was, nearly up in my face, looking in the window again. And would he duck away when he saw you? No! He'd, he'd just uh, stand there. So when that happens, do you call the guards every time you see that? Or? No, I didn't bother anymore. And he has a wife. Did you have any kind of interaction with her at all? Oh, she, she, no, she was a lovely person, apparently. And she used to be throwing me daggers and looks every time she'd pass in and out. God only knows what she was being told. And did you say it to any other neighbours in the street? Yeah, they didn't believe it. I suppose there were kind of people that they didn't want to see either. This was no, no, the, nothing ever happened in this area. Uh, it was the perfect area, and I said yes, it did. Things did happen, and nobody believed me. People looked down on you if you if you were a single mother, and I suppose. He wouldn't have done it if there was, sure, he obviously wouldn't have done it if there was a man in the house. But he thought I was an easy target. The guard came back and told me, the detective, that he tried his best and he, he couldn't get anywhere. Finally, the guards did do something, but it wasn't exactly by the book. But then I heard that uh, the guards had gone in and told him to get out of there, or they would get him. Get him? What does that mean? They'd get him for something. They'd go further, but I mean, I couldn't understand that because why didn't they get him in the first place? Why weren't they able to do anything? I thought they'd kind of gone in and roughed him up a bit. They know? probably did. That's what I heard from somebody else, that they had put pressure on him to leave. In other words. So he, he was probably told to get out of town, basically. He could have been, yeah. So he put the house up for sale. And he was gone. He went out the country. And then I heard... They had heard they knew somebody that he was living next door to, and that he was seen coming out somebody's window. He had continued it on, where he had moved. But he was obviously a sick man. The, just getting to move on is probably is not the best solution, you know? No, because it moved on to somewhere else. No, whether he ended up in, in a hospital or... He should, have had, he should have a record. And he doesn't. Then I was talking to a solicitor, just... Not officially, but 
and he was explaining all this to me and he he said he studied this years back this kind of behavior and I said when was he going to kill me and he said that was way down the line but he said it could have come to that he was getting a kick out of he obviously got a kick out of coming through your window and through your house he said and had taken your key and he said in those cases eventually could take years and years but they could yeah. they could kill you but then it made sense uh, the way he explained it it made sense because before that it made no sense I had no contact with this man all I ever said was hello to him it's it's stalk and it starts off very 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 small and it builds up and builds up and builds up but I suppose in hindsight I, I should have spoken to the solicitor and I'd have got a lot more information and he'd have advised me what to do but I suppose when you're in the middle of it and you're trying to wade your way out it's hard to know what to do and you're not getting help from anybody. At the point of recording, stalking is still not a crime in Ireland. Although there is a bill currently in review by the Oireachtas, the Minister of Justice has promised that by Easter 2022, stalking will be a criminal offence. Stalking.ie is a website created by campaigners Una Ring and Eve McDowell. It features links to help and support information and up-to-date news about their campaign to criminalise stalking. This has been a story for yarnpodcast.com. Thanks to my mum, Eileen, for the interview. Yarn is produced by me, John Roach, in Dublin, Ireland. <laughs>